Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Feel the poppy blow between the crosses, row and row. That marked our places and in the sky. The larks still bravely singing fly. Scares heard amid the guns below. We are the dead a short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw a sunset glow. Loved and were loved. Loved and were loved. Loved and we were loved. Loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders Field. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch to be yours and hold it high. If we break faith with us who die. We shall not sleep though poppies grow. In Flanders Field. In Flanders Fields. Flanders Field. In Flanders Field.
Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. My name is Gord Rossenall, and I've had the pleasure to serve this great country and our Lord. Please forgive me. I, I may shed some tears up here. I'm praying for all the military people, those that have served, those that didn't get to come home, and those who will serve, for the church family, Sergeant Bo Banks and wife, Corporal Kim Banks in Petawawa, and their sons and daughters-in-law, Brian and Patty Banks, Major Matthew Marcotte, Canadian Armed Forces, son-in-law of Greg and Lisa Lumley, and for the church family, I pray in Jesus' name that our men and women who serve this country and our Lord will be kept safe, that they will find his peace and his love and joy, for there are no atheists in foxholes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. So last week, Pastor RJ continued our series on the goodness of God with his message titled, The Grateful Response. For all of you who were there, it was a great message. And this week, we have a special guest speaker um, who our church family has gotten to know quite well over the last few years. Pastor Max Dragente will be speaking on his message titled, A New Thing. So please help me in welcoming Pastor Max Dragente to the stage. Good morning, everybody. Buongiorno. I'm so, so glad to be here in Windsor. I've been a friend of this house for decades. And I thank God for uh, uh, Pastor RJ and his partnership and your partnership with us. And uh, if you put my first slide up, if you don't mind the map, please. This is... Uh, the part of the world that God has assigned to us, the Mediterranean uh, basin. And uh, you know that even Canada is a mission field today. Do you know that? And uh, there's a lot happening in South America, in Brazil, in Africa. Um, the 10 largest churches in the world are in the continent of Africa now. Africa is exploding with the gospel. And even in the Far East, there's a lot happening. And uh, the, the mission fields are Canada, uh, Europe, less than uh, 2% are born again in Europe or Christians. Now, it, it, uh, you know, just because you have the label Christian, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. Christian is defined by whether you receive Jesus in your heart and you're a sincere follower of Christ and you're following him and, uh, and following his teachings. And so... Um, we thank God for, uh, for you because you, you help us. We really couldn't have done it without you, especially in these years. And right there, so we preach there. You see the center of the universe, that boot-shaped country called Italy right there. It's at the heart of the world of Europe, of God's creation. And uh, that's what we preach and minister the gospel. So we translate books, print books. We have Bible schools there. We graduated 140 students this year. I just came back from there and uh, a week, in two weeks, not next week, but the week after I'll be going back. 
And, uh, and that's in, in these difficult times that we've lived in through COVID. And so, and, and we have several campuses and so on. So we thank God for it. And uh, I'm moved this morning because of the Remembrance Day service. And we thank God for those who served. Amen. And we honor them. And yeah, give a good hand clap. It's, um, you know. Uh, my dad, my dad was a partisan in Italy. You know that this is where it all happened. And, uh, you know, th th this is on politicians. Not every war that is fought is a righteous war. But that one was to free the world from a, uh, from a crazy dictator, maniac. And my dad, so I grew up, uh, everything that I am is because of my dad when it comes to leadership and mindset and so on and outlook on the world. And so I grew up with stories. He was a partisan. And then he worked in the NATO base in Vicenza. And my dad is in heaven now. But when I went through his things, I found a letter from a general, uh, a U.S. general, that uh, uh, gave him a recommendation, my dad, because of the work that he had done on the base. And that opened the door for him to come. And we need to be thankful for Canada. Amen? Amen. Uh, it's a false narrative that if, we, if we're thankful for our nation, then we're going to somehow be prejudiced. We can be thankful and not prejudiced. We can be thankful and not open. It, thankful and open. We don't have to be close. The two don't go together. It's not the being uh, uh, proud of our nation that's wrong. It's, it's being exclusive or being prejudiced that's wrong. But the two things do not go together. They're two separate things. And uh, uh, so I grew up with a lot of war stories. My mom, too. She was, uh, she, she's 84 now, and she remembers, you know, what was going on in Italy. But my point is this, is that my dad, because of that letter, had a choice. I was not born in Canada. I was born in Italy. But we chose Canada, so it's still we're Canadians, and and uh, and uh, uh, he had a choice of of several countries to go to: the U.S., Australia, or Canada, and uh, and then in the end he chose Canada. And so we immigrated here in the 1970s, and he chose Canada because it's a great country. Amen. Amen. So we thank God for it. And uh, there's there's an attack that the world has unleashed over all these godly principles. And it's, uh, you know, it's like letting a genie out of the bottle. And uh, I, I, I am convinced that the world doesn't know what it is doing. And we have a word from the Lord this morning. Are you ready? Yes. <clears throat> so I'm going to move along because I have, uh, I have to, you know, I always have more than I can minister. But a lot of this passage has also to do with a lot of remembering. It's going to be a lot of remembering. Friday is Remembrance Day. By the way, I, I grew up with poppies. In Italy, you know, all over Europe, there's poppies. And uh, certain times of the year, they're all red and they're wonderful. And uh, so it's, that was a great uh, little video there too. I really enjoyed it. Amen? So when we clap, you know, you can see the emotion. Someone who served and the suffering that they've gone through. Uh, really is uh, only someone that has done that. But when we remember and we do that and we honor and we clap, we certainly uh, are doing something that at least helps a little bit. At least we can say we appreciate it. And uh, we don't understand it because as I understand it, only the ones that go through it. My, my mom, uh, um, I'll tell you this too. My mom 
my dad and my mom grew up, you know, with totally different uh, um, circumstances. My dad had nothing because he was a partisan and he was fighting, you know, they hardly had anything to eat. My mom's story is a story like Anne Frank because she was up in the north in Italy near the uh, Austrian border in Bassano. It's up in the north in the mountains and it was occupied by the Germans. And my, uh, my grandparents, so my mom's parents, had a hotel and a restaurant. And so the, the German officers used it. And so they always had food. It was actually kind of really interesting to see how my dad grew up and my mom, you know, when they would talk about it, the difference, you know, my mom said, we had everything, we had the best. But what they did is, at, uh, at, there was always a lot of food left and they were actually uh, hiding Jews in the farm where they lived right under the, uh, the officer's nose and they had no idea. And so they would feed them the best, you know, because the office, German officers ate the best. And so they always had a lot. So there are two different uh, uh, stories. And, you know, it's such a conflict because you hate what is going on. At the same time, you find something that you can do to help. And they saved lives and they fed people that otherwise would have, uh, would have nothing to eat or would have uh, been killed. And so in two diff very different ways, both my mom and I de my dad did the best that they could. So I remember all those stories and I just value them. And especially at this time, you know, and it's important that we teach the next generations because the point of remembrance is it happened and we never want it to happen again. But you know that humanity seems to have a difficult time with that. And that's our text. So let's go to our text. I'm talking about a new thing. And uh, Hebrews chapter 8, if we go, go ahead with our slides, thank you. Hebrews 8, it says this. Uh, that first, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no place for a second. But because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, in the book of Hebrews, okay, uh, the writer is talking about a new covenant, a new thing. That's the title of my message this morning, a new covenant that God would make with the house of Israel. And he is quoting from the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. Everybody say Jeremiah. Jeremiah. This is a direct quotation from the prophet Jeremiah. Here is the verse in the, in the prophet Jeremiah right here. Uh, so if you give it to me in uh, the next slide, you might as well keep them up so that we can flow. This is the covenant that, I, now this is Jeremiah, this is not Hebrews. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. So the writer to the book of Hebrews is quoting the prophet Jeremiah. And this is going to be a little different sermon. See, it's great to see what the Holy Spirit does because you pray ahead, you prepare ahead, but then when you actually come to the service, 
uh, and you want to, war, to have a rhema word, then you see how the Holy Spirit, if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, kind of knits everything together and puts everything together. So your pastor has been preaching on the goodness of God. And it's all going to fit together, the remembering and the goodness of God. And it's going to fit together, not because I'm making it fit, because I don't, that's above my pay grade to do that. But because as I'm sitting there and worshiping God, I'm amazed at how it all fits together because it's the Holy Spirit. We have a service in the afternoon where we're going to talk about flowing in the Spirit and, 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 and prophesying and moving with the Holy Spirit, which we really need today. And, and this goes along with that right here. This is uh, um, because when we look at the background, and I'm going to try to do my best in the time that I have to. There's a, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures in Jeremiah, but there's something that I want to impress in our hearts. There's something that I believe the Lord wants to impress in our heart. And it does have to do with the goodness of God, and it has to do a lot with hope. And so when you look at these wonderful scriptures, and even the one, you know, that says that... Uh, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Do you love that scripture? Yes. Now, it's amazing because the background is this, is, is, is exactly right, right here. They come from the same part of the book of Jeremiah. That part of the book is called the book of consolation. And it is something that we always read and we, we think about, you know, and we say, wow, is that great? Is that positive? Is that wonderful? That's fa filled with faith. And the picture that we have, here's the picture that we have. It's a sub subconscious picture, really, that, you know, this was all prophesied as they're sitting on the beach, sun tanning in a place like the Bahamas, you know, just to get a picture of you know, palm trees and they were in the Middle East, so they had the, the, the rivers of Babylon, right? But you get the picture, right? And they're sipping on a nice uh, coconut drink. And then, you know, here comes this wonderful inspiration. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And I'm going to do a new thing, right? And that's not the way it went down. God gave these scriptures in messy times, in very difficult times, because the love of God and grace and mercy and faith are made for messy, difficult times. And so the background is Jeremiah prophesied about 600 years before Christ. And Babylon came and invaded Israel and destroyed uh, Jerusalem and deported uh, the people of God. And so it's... Uh, it was a mess. It was a disaster. And Jeremiah prophesied before that happened. And it prophesied during the exile. And then he prophesied after they came back. And so I'm going to give you a couple of quick scriptures. Before the destruction of Jerusalem, Jeremiah had said this. Uh, give me my next verse. In Jeremiah 25, he said, the entire land will become a desolate wasteland and Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. So before it happened, he prophesied it. Don't you wish there were more prophets that prophesied things before they happened? And not after? Or revised them? Oh yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Well, tell me before. 
That's one of the marks of a true prophet is who prophesies it before. Right? And doesn't revise the date. Oh, I didn't mean 70. I meant, you know, 120 or 30 or 50 or whatever, right? But it's another topic. But he prophesied before. So that wasn't a real popular, uh, 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 that was not a real popular uh, prophecy at all. And the king of Israel, not, not the king of Babylon, the king of Israel threw Jeremiah in a pit, right? Uh, because he wasn't happy with it, right? But then, and then, you know that Jeremiah, uh, when, when, when the king of Babylon invaded, uh, freed Jeremiah. This is why Jeremiah is, is, one of, is a great prophet. And he didn't have to go, you know, he didn't go in chains to Babylon. He went on his own because he wanted to prophesy. He wanted to be in the mess with the people of God and, and keep on prophesying. But along with God, with, when he said what would happen, then God also said this in, the, in my next scripture. In Jeremiah 29, he said, but this is what the Lord said, when the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. God is good. Your pastor has been preaching that. God is good. Amen? And do not ever confuse something happening with it being the will of God. This is one of the clearest things, and there's confusion about this. <clears throat> But you can read clearly that God did not want them deported to Babylon. Is that the Bible truth? You can read it over and over again. He said, you know, I send you prophets like Jeremiah, you know, so you can listen to them and so that we can avoid this. We can avoid this. I don't want this to happen. So when God is saying you're going to be uh, enslaved for 70 years, He's not saying that's my plan and that's what I want. He's saying, I'm letting you know what's going to happen and it's not what I want. In fact, I'm doing everything that I can, God said, to make sure that it doesn't. But then even in the midst of all that mess, and it is a mess of disobedience, of idolatry, of the people of falling away from God. It's like the days of Noah. It's like those days uh, uh, when they were deported to Babylon, and it's the days that we're living in today. So are we going to be sad? Are we going to be depressed? Are we going to be all worried? Absolutely not, because God is good, and God specializes in the middle of a mess to give hope. Because he says, you know what? Yeah, you're going to be deported. I don't want that. Do I have to emphasize again that it's not God's will? Just because God says something is going to happen, it doesn't mean it's will. He says it because he knows, because he knows everything. He knows the future, right? Uh, I can swear after service. I could go out and get drunk tonight. I could, uh, you know, uh, uh, but, and God would know that I'm going to do that. But does that mean that it's his will? And he's not going to physically stop me. You know, don't ever use God allowed it. He does allow it. But do not tie it to it's his will. That's where the problem is right there. It would never be God's will for me to get drunk or for me to hit my wife or to rob a bank. I could rob a bank tomorrow if I want to. And God would know about it, but it doesn't mean that it's his will. Is that clear enough? 
So as we read this, so these are things that are happening that God didn't want. Bring it home. We've gone through this horrible thing called COVID. It's not God's will. It was not God's will. It was a mess and we're still, you know, recovering from it. So whether you're deported and you're a captive because a foreign king invades you, or whether you're captive because you're quarantined because a, foreign, a virus invades you, uh, it's still, you're still captive. And these principles apply. And so look at my next verse now. And so here it says, now we're in the chapter where the book of Hebrews quotes from this. And the reason why I'm tying it is because you understand that God is talking to Israel in the Old Testament, but he's also talking to the church today. Because when he said, I'm going to do a new thing, he was talking to them, but he's talking to us too. Do you know that God can talk to more than one at the same time? And a passage of scripture can apply through the ages. It's the same thing repeating itself over and over again because humanity just doesn't seem to learn. <laughs> Noah, right? Or you're talking about Israel, or you're talking about uh, Israel in the times of Jesus when the Romans came in, right? And destroyed, or you're talking about today. It's still humanity wanting to do their own thing without God. And taking away the values that the word of God gives us. And so in this context, God just specializes in giving hope, consoling his people, and telling them it will be okay. If you trust him, it will turn out fine. It's a good ending. We're not inventing this. We're not making this up. We're not, you know, uh, uh, positive uh, preachers uh, and, and, and mind science and, you know, the power of positive thinking. This is the power of Bible thinking. Amen? So that's the background. And uh, he said the people who survive the sword will find favor in the wilderness. Survive the sword. So this happened when they were deported into Egypt too. Remember at the, times of, at the time of Moses? That was a thousand years earlier. They were the same story. They were deported into Egypt and in the wilderness, God took care of them. There's a parallel, right? Then a thousand years later, meaning at this time, they did the same thing. Humanity, the people of God ran away from God and they were deported into Babylon but then God said, you will survive the sword. Today, we have all these challenges, and you are here. You survived the sword. You survived COVID. <laughs> Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> you survived the crazy. You survived, you know, you could have quit. Probably, tragically, you know people as well as I do that did. We could have too. You could have quit too. Thank you. That, that's my amen. I'm going to come right here. Thank you. I'm looking. I'm looking for people to encourage me. Not because I need it, but because we're connecting. I want to make sure I'm talking to the right people because if these past two years have been just, you know, wonderful for you, you haven't been touched by anything, you've had zero challenges, then I'm talking to the wrong crowd, wrong sermon, wrong crowd. And you know what? I'm going to sit down and let you come up and preach because that's not been my reality. 
not only has it been COVID, but there's been crazy things on top of that. Like, you know, types of things where you say this to God. I want to know, has anybody experienced that? Put your hand up because everywhere I go, this is like a, a world thing. Everywhere I go, it's been like that. It's been like, this is nuts, you know. I'm really trying to get my head around this and what we have to do. And now this too, like, come on, God. Yeah, give me a break, yeah. You do, right? But you survive the sword. And listen, wilderness, do you see that part? I'm gonna decode the book of Jeremiah. There are key words here that, if we don't connect the dots, they don't mean much to us. We just read them and move on. But wilderness, this is the wilderness, okay? Abraham was there. Isaac was there. Jacob was there. Rebecca was there. Rebecca cried here when she delivered. And Jeremiah, you know, I'm not going to be able to go through all of this just because of time, but... I may, you know, you record the service, right? You may want to listen to part two and second service. I might do it that way because there's a lot, but to decode, but it will help you. But then after, if you go back and reread this chapter, when I help you decode it, uh, it will mean something totally different because they're using terms and things that to them it meant a lot. To us who didn't grow up at that time, we're thousands of years removed and we're in another culture, don't mean anything. But that, this, if this wilderness could talk, you understand it's the same wilderness where Jesus had to go through with Mary and Joseph when King Herod killed the infants. They went through that same place. And that's mentioned here too. You know, a voice was heard in Ramah. And the cry now, that's Rebecca a thousand years later, but it's also Mary and Joseph uh, 500 years later, 600 years later at the, time of, at the time of Jesus. So, and it's the same wilderness where the apostle Paul, after he was converted, went there and Jesus revealed himself to him there. Because it's not just a physical place. It's a place where heavy, every human being has to go through. Are you listening? Have you ever been in the wilderness? I think we have been in, in, an, in a surreal wilderness that rises to this. Not an exaggeration because people died from COVID. So the sword and the death are not a hyperbole. So it's not a thing to fool around with. So we know it's not God's will. And what does God do? Well, he, he gives his people hope and he consoles his people. And if this wilderness could talk, right? And you know that the love of God and the grace of God. So he says, you find grace in the wilderness. Everybody say grace, favor, Favor is the word for grace. Say, what do you find in the wilderness? Grace. Did you find strength and God's ability to go on when it would have been, where, you know, any psych psychotherapist would have, would have justified you quitting? That's called grace. Something happens inside that you go on. And the grace of God is not based on our performance. In the book of Deuteronomy, God had said, I didn't choose you or pick you because you were strong or you were more powerful than others. I chose and picked you because I love you. 
That's Deuteronomy. I have them just for your reference. We'll just flash them. Deuteronomy 7, 7. It's not because you were strong, right? In fact, you were the least. In verse 8, please, it says, but I chose you because I love you, right? So that means that you can stop striving and perform for the love of God to earn his love because he loves you. Is, is this helping you? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're doing okay? Yes. Oh, Verse 5. Jeremiah, let's go back to Jeremiah in verse 5, right? It says, you will plant vines in the mountains of Samaria. The planter shall plant and eat them as ordinary food. What does that mean? That means this. Now remember that Jeremiah prophesied this when they were in captivity. And God says, you know what? There's going to be very soon a time when you're going to plant vineyards. It's abundance time, God is saying to you this morning. It's abundance time. The vineyards, the vines, the grapes. Connect the dots. When was the first time that the Jewish people ran into that? At the time of Moses. A thousand years earlier, when Moses sent out the spies, do you remember? They spied out Canaan, and they came back with grapes that were so big that they had to stick them through poles, right? The clusters through poles, and show them, look at this. We have to connect the dots. Amen? And that's what God prophesies. So COVID has destroyed. COVID has... Uh, mess things up, but God is saying that's not the end of it. We don't prophesy doom and gloom. We prophesy this is going to happen, but it's not, you know, it may feel like it's the end of the world, but it's not. It may feel like we're never recovered, but it's not. We have to go with the Spirit of God here, with what God is saying. Back up to verse 4 for a moment. Verse 4 is worth reading too. See, verse 4, it says, I will build you you shall be rebuilt. There's an active and a passive. And it's very, very powerful in the Hebrew, the active and the passive together. The active is, I will build you, says the Lord. And the passive is, you are rebuilt. It's like, you know, I will hug you and you are hugged, right? I will, if you're thirsty, I will give you water and your thirst will be quenched. See, the active, I give you water, the passive, the result is the action on you. You will be thirsty no more. I will build you, God says. So he says, yeah, there's destruction coming, but I will build you. God is giving hope and consolation. This Jeremiah 31 is the most famous chapter in the, book of, in, the, in, the, in the book of Jeremiah, and it's the only chapter in the Old Testament that talks about a new covenant. Remember that we're going down to verse 31. We won't make it, but we're going down to verse 31 <laughs> where it says, I will do a new thing and I will make a new covenant. And it's okay if we won't make it. It's not a problem. Just enjoy now. I'm giving you enough, <laughs> right? To start shouting and jumping. So God rebuilds and you will be rebuilt. 
you hear this word a lot today, reimagine and reinvent. Have you heard it? It's, this is it. This is a scripture, the rebuilding, the reimagining. Let God reimagine this. Let God reinvent this. Because anytime the devil unleashes something as wicked as COVID is, God steps in because he's a redeemer. He's not the causer. He's a redeemer. Redeem means there's trouble, and I'm going to step in and turn it around. If you don't understand that, you're going to have a real conflictual relationship with God. You're going to have a, a love-hate relationship with God. Children that are abused by the father have a love-hate relationship with the father. You cannot love an abusive father. You cannot love God properly if you think that he's the author of it. He's not the author of it. He's not the author of evil. But you know what? He knows and he specializes in stepping in and get, getting you out. <laughs> Is that good? So look at how we've had. Have you had to rebuild uh, in the sense of reinvent and reimagine? I did. And right where it looked like, man, you know, this is it. It's all going to fall apart. You know, 23 years of mission work is going to fall apart. We have more in the Bible school than we've ever had before. But I had to reinvent myself in a basement. Pastor RJ, they didn't teach me in Bible school about the lights and the thing and the camera. I knew nothing. I started by buying a kit from Amazon for $199 with a green screen and the stands and the lights and everything. And then I had to look at these, I had to look at these videos of, you know, these 20-year-olds that have hundreds of thousands of followers, right, about what's in my backpack, what's in my purse, this is how you put the makeup on, to learn how to, you know, eliminate the glare from the glasses from the lights. But I produced a video. I want to say, you know, I had to do, I had to do everything. You know, the entire, I thought for, for my family, I was going to do, like, because I had to produce videos to advertise a school, to, you know, like we've all had, right? I wasn't taught this Bible school. I want to do in the end titles, I want to be written by Max, starring Max, lights Max, directed by Max, edited by Max. I had to figure out how to edit things online. So here you go with these courses about how to edit things produced by Max, you know. It's like all me. Now, can you identify with that in your situation? <laughs> we all can, can't we? Right? See? And the virgin Israel. See, virgin is because, well, you know, Israel didn't always like, like, act like a faithful wife. God has called Israel in the Old Testament some pretty unpolitically correct <laughs> labels. Adulterous is the lightest, the mildest one. <laughs> but he says, yeah, because you ran away, you turned your back on me, but I love you. You're going to find grace. You're messed up. <laughs> Right? Yeah, like you're, you're a mess, but you're going to find grace. And I will rebuild. God takes the action. And the result is you will be rebuilt. 
And then back to verse 5 or forward to verse 5, there's going to be a time of abundance again. Are you ready for some abundance? Are you ready for your business to explode? Are you ready for, 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 uh, for, for, for a raise? Are you ready for promotion? Are you ready for the church to begin exploding again? Are you ready for that? Because that's what God does in these times. Doesn't he? And here's this going to be my last verse. We have to go to 31. We're only at verse 7. We're going to finish with verse 7. And in verse 7, it talks about singing and shouting. So it says, sing to the Lord of Israel, shout out your praise. And he's telling them, listen, tell me again where they are when Jeremiah said this. They're captive. They're captive. Now in the New Testament, we, we, we know it as count it all joy when you fall in various trials, right? Or rejoice always under all circumstances, right? But the singing and the praising and the shouting, we have to do it in the wilderness. We have to do it, we, not complaining. I mean, he's talking to, you know, lamentation and complaining and mourning would have been justified and appropriate. But God says, as you're in it, begin to shout and begin to praise and begin to rejoice. Amen? Because that's a part of how we can come out of it better and faster. We can always shorten the time. Amen? I'm going to stop because it's right to do so. There's, there's time and there's things that you have to do. I'm going I'm to continue this. I'm going to work my way down to verse 31 in serv- second service, okay? This is unfinished. But did I get across to you that God is loving and merciful and kind and he gives hope? Amen. If you just quickly go to the last slide, I have a book table there. I've written uh, uh, two books. One is called Fearless in the Light. And Fearless in the Light is written in, is about uh, staying calm in today's anxious world. It deals with a lot about these things that we talked about. And then the second one is called Every Good Thing. And Every Good Thing is from Philemon, where we acknowledge all the good things that we are in Christ. Amen. Amen. And so that's a good book if you're already in Christ for some in-depth study. And if you're new, it'll give you a good primer in that. And so if you want to visit the book table, I appreciate it because that's another way that you can help me preach the gospel. The sales for the book, I don't put them in my pocket. We put it right back in the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for these wonderful people this morning. I thank you. Father, we've all gone through and experienced things differently, Father. But thank you that one solid thing that is the same for all of us and we can rely on is that you're a good God, you're a loving God, you're not the cause of evil, but you're the one that gives us hope and consoles us and you redeem us. You come in and rescue and turn things around, Father. You are rebuilding us right now and we are being rebuilt, Father. Thank you for hope. Thank you for healing hearts and healing minds and healing emotions and healing bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your blessing. Amen. Pastor RJ. Thanks, Pastor Max. Why don't you all stand with me?
And some of you should just throw your agenda out and come back for part two. <laughs> you know, as we come to the table today to celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion, as some call it, you know, God had this master plan for all humans before he even laid the foundations of the world. And, you know, even when things weren't working out how Israel thought they were supposed to, God still had a plan for that nation that he was in covenant with. How much more where we live today in the new covenant does he have a plan for your life, for you who are in covenant with him? And this, this is our covenant meal. We partake of this meal together as often as we gather. So, Father, I thank you for the brokenness of Christ on the cross, that you healed us, you set us free. And not only did you heal us and set us free, Lord, you're, you're as you talked about today, you're rebuilding our lives. Lord, we see you as a good God. And for those that are struggling with that today, Father, I thank you that you're speaking to their hearts right now. And you're revealing yourself to every individual listening. So we partake with joy and gladness today in Jesus' name. And the blood of the new covenant, it's powerful. Jesus, we thank you so much that you were willing to endure the shame and the suffering of the cross. The pain, the hurt, you carried the guilt and sin of all mankind on yourself so that we could be free. Lord, today, as we're remembering the sacrifice of many, we also remember the sacrifice of Christ, without which we wouldn't even be here today. Father, I declare the blood of Jesus over our congregation today, that minds are being restored to wholeness and health is being restored, that hearts are being healed, and you mend, Lord, the broken places. Today, we look to you, in Jesus' name. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go. Amen.